You're listening to Knives in a Row versus the podcast, and we're here to be listening to Knives in a Row. Welcome to another episode of Knives Monroe versus the podcast. I'm Knives Monroe. How you guys doing? Hopefully you're doing well. First thing I want to say is for some reason, I hate filmmaking part one is like my most listened to podcast. I don't know how it happened. I uploaded it on my phone, on my couch in my living room while everybody was sleeping. We put so much effort in the optics of this profession. We put so much effort in the electronics and the tools and the gear. We fetishize gear. And I've made content about this for a minute. And um, I was just going to do another one of these on my phone. But something about this just required a little bit more effort. And so that's what I'm doing. And that's what I'm going to talk about. So it's a very inside baseball conversation. I'm not going to be the sad horse Knives Monroe, or maybe that will come up. But the truth is, I want to continue this discussion about filmmaking and the state of the union and where we're at. So I don't want to assume that everybody that listens to this or anybody that listens to this knows my history. I don't want to assume that. So I'll give a a brief abbreviated bio on me. My name is Knives Monroe. I'm 31 years old. I'm a father of two kids. I've been with the same lady for almost seven years and I live in Austin, Texas. I'm an indie filmmaker, podcast producer, multimedia, uh, multimedia manager for the nonprofit Hiring Our Heroes. That's what I do full-time. That's the J-O-B. But I've been chipping away at the block, chomping at the bit on my grind for quite some time. Now, I haven't been the most consistent. And if I've learned anything on the scene, it's that's like the biggest ailment for all creators is consistency. So I'm an extremist at the same time. I got highs and lows. I got ups and downs, no in between, for better or for ill. And I decided to do a daily podcast for 2020. I'm going to try to give this 500 days. See how I feel after that. If it's awesome, I'm going to keep going. 500 days is about a year and a half. So I don't think it's that long. But you know, being able to do stuff on the phone... Last night's episode, before I went to go see Tool with Claire, did it on my phone. The entire thing on my phone. The entire thing. Everybody has a smartphone. So anybody can create a podcast. And here's how I do it. I go to my camera. I have a little mini microphone that is, you know, I have a little adapter for my to go inside my iPhone. And um, I just filmed it. Didn't tweak any levels. I heard myself, you know, I figured it was going to sound okay, look okay, filmed it using the front-facing camera, so it was inverted, and it's hard to see the lens of a front-facing camera, and uh, I really want to stop saying and uh for the future, I'm working on this, we're going to Jiro dreams of sushi this motherfucker until this thing is tight as a drum, so that's how I recorded yesterday's episode. I got good feedback. There's 18 comments on my YouTube. That's good feedback for me. Because I've, going back to consistency, start, stop, start, stop on YouTube so many times, 
I'm not mad at the algorithm for not rewarding me because I'm not consistent. Hence the daily podcast for, you know, the object of being prolific. So you record the podcast, you strip the audio, you create some album album art, which is always DIY. I use Adobe Spark Post to do that. And I use Prisma to create some animations, both free apps. You can upload your podcast via Safari in desktop the desktop website view. And I copy and paste my description because it's usually the same that I have saved on my notes. And so you learn these tricks of the trade to bypass time, shortcuts, ways to automate the process. Now, yesterday's I airdropped my video to the Mac and put in my intro and my outro because I wanted my intro and my outro on those shows. All this just to say... I created an entire podcast, a piece of art, a product on my phone for free. Granted, I pay for my RSS, which is SoundCloud, how I distribute everything, how it goes to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and so on, which I'll be moving to Spreaker sometime in the year when I feel like it. All this just to say I did it all on my phone, no excuses. And then the episode that I did, you know, half of these have been on my phone, by the way. And y'all need to know that. It's interesting. It's interesting. And here's why I bring this up. Because as a filmmaker, we put an emphasis and a premium on gear, on expenses, on cost, on optics. And it doesn't matter. This is the final skin to shed to get to the next evolution. And it's a challenge and it's interesting to me. It's very interesting because we glorify cameras. Cameras are, you know, a cheap one nowadays is $1,500, you know? That's just a body. That's not accessories and batteries and lenses and microphones and so on. It's such an expensive medium filmmaking. And that's, that's just one person trying to, trying to get by that's not even counting the time and energy and, and money it takes to hire actors and camera people and grips and lighting people and editors and sound mixers and so on. It's a very expensive medium. It's bougie. It's for the rich. Or it's for the hyper-creative and frugal and cheap. And I think that's where I fit in. Hence doing the stuff on a phone. That's what I have on my person. When I travel next month and I'm going to be in hotel rooms, I have no excuse to not upload something. I mean, I've uploaded eight-minute raw audio from my phone to SoundCloud. And two episodes ago, you know, I Hate Filmmaking or whatever that episode was called, part one, which was not clickbait. It's my most viewed episode, and I've done an episode with Dakota Meyer, which was kind of, you know, I knew that one was going to get numbers. I never super promoted it, and it was over a year ago. This one blew it out of the water, and it, it's, it's a fluke, you know? I'll admit that. My point is, I ain't getting no emails and DMs saying, like, yo, this quality, did you do this on your phone? And, you know, it's just interesting to me as a filmmaker... The premium of expenses and cost and 
quality, the cinematic look doesn't matter anymore. It, 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 it doesn't, and I wonder if it ever did. I don't think it did. The 1% of films that we worship, your Stanley Kubrick's, your Quentin Tarantino's, Martin Scorsese's, and Spielberg's, and so on, they're the 1% of films. But there are movies that resonate with the culture that were made very modestly. I don't know why Lynn Ramsey's Rat Catcher just came to mind. YouTube it. Um, Lars von Trier, my favorite filmmaker. The the Danish Revolution. Dogma 15. I'm sorry, Dogma 95. Uh, I created Dogma 15. Uh, YouTube it. You know, they were putting cameras on sticks. On actual sticks. And, you know, look at the celebration in movies like this. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, you look at something that was shot on what, DV or what was it? Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Like, I I know all these sources. I've cited the sources with my thesis in 2012 and my dissertation in 2014 and so on. That was Her Doppelganger and the Seven Hands of God. Stories for another podcast. No one's going to listen to this. Um, and I've studied it. I've studied the, the Shane Carruths, who did Upstream Color on a Panasonic GH4. I mean, and these movies can get made and they can get done, but what's fascinating to me, all this preamble, all this pomp and circumstance just to say, I can put $5,000, or you know what, let's say 7000 which is what Robert Rodriguez says, make a feature for seven k. I can put $7,000, which I've done in a movie... But a TikTok of me fucking off can get more attention and more views. I mean, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not in this for the numbers, but it makes you wonder, where should we put our time, effort, and energy? And this is why I said I hate filmmaking and I'm done with it to begin with. I love how this podcast, this show, I'm, I'm utilizing these tools. And that's lovely and great. And it's who I am. It's what I do. It's, I can't not do it can't not do it it's just fascinating to me because this ain't what I signed up for that the landscape I wanted to be Darren Aronofsky I wanted to be Larry Clark I wanted to be Michelle Gondry I wanted to be David Lynch you know but then I see these guys who just started making videos who didn't grow up with film theory art appreciation that didn't go to film school that don't give a shit about aperture they just go make stuff these 14-year-olds that are on TikTok, so creative, are pioneers. They don't even know it. It's just a second language. And all my, you can say that, you know, there's integrity and there's something to be said about knowing your history. And, and sure, sure, I understand that. But it's an old pastime. I was right about one thing. I, I never went into hardcore debt for college and I never got a college education and I know a lot of people, and I know some intimately, let's just say, who have racked a fortune in debt. That's going to take a lifetime to pay off. I didn't sign up for that, and I didn't want to. And right now, if I can show you a peek behind the curtain, being honest, you know, like I always am, you know, Claire and I are contemplating buying a house. And these things are fortunes. You know, you pay a mortgage, takes 25, 20 years to pay off, and 
it kind of feels like a pastime as well. It feels like something that's old hat. Do I want to sign up for that debt? I'm glad I dodged the the college bu- you know bullet for what I was gonna do. I just knew you know Tarantino didn't even graduate high school, so I I didn't care if I went to college or not. Do I want to pay for a house? I understand you know the investment ran. I, I get it, man. Depending on the school of thought you come from, you know. It's it's all the same. I, I'm a hippie when it comes to this. Like I feel like we don't own anything. I don't even like own my kids. They're their own autonomous beings. Like what? And I created them, you know. So I don't. I don't own. It's hard to say what we own on this plane of existence, you know. If you really want to take it there, but all that just to say, it's the same with filmmaking, man. Like, what do I want to put my time to? What is what is old? What is a relic of the past? What is something that is just. I don't know. It feels so arbitrary at this point. I feel like it's archaic. It's it's done with to an extent, you know. And I, I gosh, and I'm gonna. I, I don't want to be a hater. I'm not a hater. But guys like Peter McKinnon, and Casey Neistat, and Sarah Dietschy, and Tyler Babin, these people that I do look up to, filmmakers in the old school sense of the word, you know, I feel like they're selling the 1994 dream of what filmmaking was to me. And I ain't into the commerce business. I'm not in this to be sold to, like buy the new Panasonic SL1 or the Jesus Christ, the Red Epic or whatever. Like I don't need to be spending money on these fancy ass things when, quite frankly, like nobody fucking cares anyways. I've been on YouTube for almost 13 years. I got 1,000 subscribers, you know? And the average one in my youtube videos is 200 views at best you know i'm not salty about the numbers it's not about the numbers it's about the consistency i know that i've always known that on on the days where i'm not putting in those deposits that's on me it's always on me i ain't salty about that it's just you know i wonder like if i got a netflix show like would that make me happy if I told my dream stories that I've been writing for a decade and a half, like, does that make a difference? Does it save Australia? Like, I would would it even trend on Twitter? And if it did, if it trended on Twitter number one for a week, does that matter? Like, I, I don't know. Like, the metrics have changed. The, the ways of doing this have disappeared. I'm saying the same stuff that I said in part one, just getting into a little bit more depth, you know, and so I'm happy to make this video in glorious 4k and do this podcast the fancy way versus on my phone. I just don't think it matters. How can it try to sell me that it does this whole idea of quality versus quantity that's thrown out the window with the internet. It's been like that for a minute. You can focus Five years on one album, it's not going to impact the way it probably could have in 97. And some would argue it it wouldn't have impacted much then. But, you know, at the same time, nobody can predict anything. Nobody can predict anything. Like, VR is supposed to turn this world upside down. AR is supposed to reinvent everything. And then there's AI. And then there's, holy smokes, um, Bitcoin and... uh, cryptocurrency and like you know but i look around me all i can really mold and shape and impact is what's around me and so when you look at this funnel and you distill it 
all this noise, for me, the podcast makes sense. It makes the most sense. This is what I do. This is what I've always done. I didn't want to do this on YouTube in 2006, even though I, I was incentivized to do so. I mean, we had videos that popped off. I was incentivized to do so. You can go and YouTube me and find stuff that got a, you know tens of thousands of views, but I didn't want to be a commentary channel. I didn't want to be someone that does what I'm doing right now because I thought it was better than it, but I never was. I just couldn't see the forest from the trees. I just couldn't. I felt like I was cheating on filmmaking. I felt like, well, Darren Aronofsky wouldn't do this. You know, Quentin Tarantino wouldn't vlog. But you know what? Quentin Tarantino can't do what I do. He can't do this. You know, I made Vlogville where I did 30 vlogs, you know, in a row or whatever, uh, every vlog a day for a month or whatever from from July to September or whatever it was in, in summer 2016 or no, 2017. And that's what put me on and got me so many opportunities that I'm still, you know, r raking in the benefits from. Not to be so cryptic, but, you know, it's what got me to, to shake Dakota Meyer's hand, and that put me on. Um, got me to where I am now. Gave me the confidence, the co-sign, the, the validation. And I was making vlogs on my phone while getting hemorrhoids on the bus. All I had was a phone and a selfie stick. I don't say that to impress anybody. I just want to impress upon you that... I thought I was better than it in 26, in 2006, in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And I don't know what changed. I, I, I couldn't tell you what changed. I guess I just got sick and tired of writing scripts and thinking I was going to sell it. I saw what Joe Swanberg was doing, and I was like, wait a fucking second. You can just make a movie a year? Mumblecore happened, which people kind of roll their eyes about YouTube it. Mumblecore is a genre. Look, I'm going to be honest. I... I, I uh, was skimming through my first feature film that's on YouTube, Her Doppelganger, YouTube it. And, um, man, it's just so cheaply made, you know? Like, we had one... We, we didn't know what... I, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing, and there's so much, like, inconsistencies, and, like, it, it, the geography doesn't make sense, but the script was so tight and was so good. So good, in fact, that, you know, my actors dealt with my bullshit for us to see it through and finish it. And I was skimming through it and watching some of the best scenes. A lot of it was just like, oof, that's rough to hear and look at. And the performances are basically all in one take. You know, we just had enough time and resources to get a take. And I was watching this and I was like, I had no business in, in, in 2012 as a 24-year-old making a movie. I had no business making a movie. I had no business making one. But I did it because I just needed to fucking run a marathon. I just needed to say I did it no matter how long it took. No matter if I have to crawl and scrape and scratch my way even if I have to go across this road on my fucking eyelids through glass I just had to make a movie because I did not want to be an aspiring filmmaker and I thanked Lena Dunham in my credits I thanked Lena Dunham because she made tiny furniture before me on a Canon 7D and her blu-ray was put in the criterion YouTube that shit if you don't know what I'm talking about and I thought, man, if she can do it, I can do it too. And so I did it. And I see these kids that are just, this is just, you know, streaming and Discord and Twitch and, you know, 4K and 
60 frames a second and these iPhones are just so powerful and the battery lives are so good and I'd make backyard wrestling videos in 2005 with a three megapixel camera that I bought off of QVC for $600 that I made from church's chicken money while I was a senior in high school scrubbing parking lot gravel. Kids are so lucky, you know, and they're not wasting it. They're just doing it. And I understand that we roll our eyes over Generation Z and us millennials got a lot of shit too. But fuck, you know how many apocalypses I've lived through? 9-11, Y2K, North Korea last year, people promptly forgot about. I've gone through two president impeachments. Like shit, as a millennial, fucking hair started falling out, man, in my 20s. I remember... In 2014, I was so stressed out, having panic attacks, anxiety attacks. I, I, my, my, I started getting gray hair, and then it, it went away. <laughs> Why does that happen to a 26-year-old? You tell me. Millennials, man, we've seen some shit. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I don't care, I don't care where you're at, boomers. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Gen Y, roll your eyes at me. I don't give a fuck. We've seen some shit. <sighs> I rambled there. I rambled there. It happens. It happens. It happens. I blacked out. I spazzed. I spazzed out. It happens from time to time. Subscribe, follow, like on YouTube, at me, Knives Monroe, on everything. We're not done yet, but if you've listened to me this far, you better go on Apple Podcasts right now. Leave me a five-star review. You better go on SoundCloud and share my shit, reblog my shit. You know, tag me in it. Show me that you care. Show me that you're, that you're sticking around, man, because I'm, I'm not just speaking in a vacuum. We don't do this to, to, to just be, you know, one fish in a fishbowl or, or an elephant with a rope and a stake in the ground. I'm too big for that. I, I don't, I, I ain't, I, I ain't I'm not playing small potatoes, man. I want to be one of the greatest podcasters that's ever done it. I want to be one of the greatest shit talkers that's ever done it. That's why I'm putting the reps in. That's why I care. And, you know, I may never be one of the greatest filmmakers ever to turn on a camera. But Steven Spielberg, George Lucas... James Cameron can't do what I do, make a fucking vlog while they're going to a job that they despise 30 days in a row getting hemorrhoids on the bus on their iPhone 6. They can't do it. They can't do it. They never did it. They're not doing what I'm doing right now, connecting to you. They're too good for it or something. They don't even want to watch Blu-rays at their house. They're too good for it or something. I look at David Lynch, who's producing short films on Netflix. This guy's at the top of his game, and he's in his 70s. I respect people that want to evolve and grow with the times and the culture and they adapt and that's what I'm all about. Versatility, flexibility, adaptability. If you don't if you don't grow, you die. If you don't evolve, you're going to get left behind. That's just the ethos that filmmaking was founded on. Evolution, innovation, inspiration. That's why I'm doing this. But Golly, do I hate filmmaking in the traditional conservative old school Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith, 1994 sense. It's just not that. The dream has disappeared. And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's a new day and we can dream again for something new. Now I can chop up a little piece of this, put this on Instagram and maybe the right person will see it and, and they can fuck with it. Or I put it on Facebook and people can fuck with it. Everybody wants to start at the top. Everybody wants to, you know, how come I didn't get a million views? Man, I've been doing this for 12 years on YouTube. I, I know how you feel. I get it. I'm still in it, man. I'm still in it. I'm still in it. 
I have no right, just like how I didn't when I was 24 to make a movie. I have no right to be doing this right now, thinking that someone out there gives a shit. Audacity. The nerve. The balls. I know. I believe in the body of work. I believe one if one person's going to get something out of this. It's worth it for me. It's worth the time to create if one person gets something out of this. What's it look like in 500 days? I don't know. Been taking pictures for a living for a minute, been taking some video video editing. Like anything else, it's utilitarian. It's, it's, it's riding a bike. It's, it's a hammer and nail, this, this whole racket. It's a hammer and nail. Just tools. Screw, screwdriver, camera, lens, push the button. It's just tools. I let it define me so hard, so personally for a long time I it's hard for me to divorce myself from from that if you followed me you know like that's the way I see myself as a filmmaker as an artist as a creator it's the way I see myself it took me a while to know that the medium doesn't give a shit about me it's just it's just a hammer and a nail it just needs to be used Every single day, you have to try and want to be good at it. I used to be jealous and envious of, you know, good-looking vlogger, filmmaker, people who go in the helicopters and blah, blah, blah. Until I did it, you know, you, you film on a helicopter and you're like, wow, this is just like anything else. It's work. It's nerve-wracking. Had weird thoughts on a helicopter. I thought about jumping down and thinking this would be a beautiful death. They don't. You don't see that shit on YouTube, do you? You don't see. Uh, you don't see that. <laughs> I'm the sad man, apparently. But I've been around the block, and I guess at the end of the day, the shit that gets me high, the shit that gets me high, is just. Getting the shot, sharing it, and people say that was cool. They want to watch it again. Or better yet, they get inspired to want to pick up a camera and do something cool as well. Whatever that is, that's why I do it. That's why I'm still doing it. I just can't call it filmmaking anymore. It's, it's something else. What it is, I don't know. It's just another word. Um, Tanner Walters, who uh, was one of the first guests I had on this show, called himself at the time. I haven't spoke to him in a minute. A video designer. I thought that sounded really slick on paper. But he couldn't get on board with Filmmaker. And, and he was the first person to put that thought in my head, that it's an antiquated term. And it is. It's becoming so. It's becoming more apparent to me. But I can't even call myself a podcaster. I can't even call myself a poet. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just Knives Monroe. And hopefully my art becomes ubiquitous with my name. I can't tell you how many times I talk to podcasters and Joe Rogan's name comes up. I look forward to when Knives Monroe's name comes up and it's just as ubiquitous as the tool. 
John Deere that motherfucker. Knives Monroe that motherfucker. I like the sound of that. Cue that outro. Never ever believe anything you hear. And believe only half of what you see. And always, 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 forever and ever and ever, put a force field around your heart.